Hello, beautiful people. My name is Alana, and this is the Recovering People Pleaser podcast, where we discuss what it's like and how to identify if you are one as well, ways to grow in your power, depression and self-love, and so much more. Welcome back, beautiful people. I am so excited because today is my very first filmed episode. Thank you, Georgie, for this. All, all the way from London, he is here helping John and I and our team with work content, and we are so grateful and happy to have him here. Thank you again. On today's episode of The Recovering People Pleaser, we are going to discuss the difference between a people pleaser and a emotionally dependent or more well-known as a codependent person. Now, there is a very fine line between the two, which is why I really want to talk about this because it's important to understand the difference and know what characteristic traits, boundaries that you're supposed to be looking out for and basically incorporating in your own life. Now, I thought of all of this today So I'm literally reading off of my notes here. And again, I'm so excited to be sharing this with you all. So the first thing and the main reason I'm staring at my tablet, I want to tell you what the definition of codependency is because we've already gone over what the definition of a people pleaser is. The definition of codependency, excessive or emotional or psychological reliance on another person. Now, being a people pleaser, it's more a feeling or an act of love. And we do things as a people pleaser to either gain recognition or likeness or fondness from people. We just want to feel validated and loved or appreciated or accepted. But with codependency, it's a little step further. Codependency is more so the act and basically consumption of one's approval. Now, I'm gonna dive deeper into this and I want you to genuinely feel the words and the mannerisms that I'm giving you right now because these things may apply to you and you have never known about them. And even if you're not a people pleaser, even if you don't think that you're codependent, these are things that are also really good to look for in people that you care about not necessarily act upon, but to pay attention and be aware of, mainly because codependency can be not only mentally and spiritually harmful, but physically in the long run. So let's go. Like I said, being a people pleaser, it genuinely comes from an act of love. We try to make other people happy because it makes us happy, but at the end of the day, we never really know If we're draining ourselves too much, I always say this, don't pour from an empty cup. Now, it is a self of, it it is an act of love, but it's also a lack of self-love. Now, before you come for me, I understand that this isn't always the case, but most of the time it is. Can we agree on that? Being a people pleaser is technically a result of lack of self-love for oneself. Now, 
People pleasing is something that we've always been doing most of our lives. Because like I said, either we wanted people to like us or accept us or give us their approval, but not in a controlling manner. Whereas codependency can be damaging emotionally, spiritually, physically. We attach ourselves to another person because we're afraid of losing them and we're afraid of losing their approval. And they have become the holier than now or almighty basically to us. Being a codependent on another person is as if you constantly need your iPhone plugged into its charger or it'll die. That's what I felt like, at least, in a few of my past relationships. And if you listened to episode number three, relationship number three was the main one. And that was the one that almost took your girl out, for real, though. Whew. A person's day-to-day -day is basically determined on whether or not the person we're codependent on is happy or sad or mad, more specifically with us. But even when it's not directed towards us, we still feed off of their energy. And it's almost as if the world stops if we are not in contact with that person, not physically around that person. And I hate Google descriptions and examples because one of, I mean, probably because they're true, I hate them. <laughs> but I will say this, one of the descriptions that I read about codependency is excusing somebody's behavior that is not supposed to be excused. And sometimes it can be excusing somebody's drug addiction or alcoholism or their narcissism, which we have talked about. Gaslighting. Codependency allows you and is one of the top characteristic traits doing so. Being able to genuinely look at a person that you know is doing wrong or harming you in a physically or mentally way and just telling yourself first and foremost and other people around you who care about you and love you that it's okay and making excuses for them. Oh God, that was my shit. I was always making excuses. Doing so is just one of the things to look out for when it comes to codependency. Talking about codependency and the difference between being a people pleaser and a codependent genuinely reminds me of my last relationship before I met John, my husband, and how I didn't even really notice over time that I had become so consumed by and with this person. It was to the point where I didn't even feel comfortable making plans with a girlfriend to go to lunch without letting him know and making sure that he was okay with it or even like changing my hair color. Oh my God. I remember I would do something as simple as buying an outfit or again, changing my hair and comments would be tossed around. Like you didn't think that it would be appropriate to ask, you know, my opinion on this as if I had no choices of my own. Dating a narcissist and being a codependent or even dating a narcissist and just being a people pleaser is so dangerous. 
for us because they know what they're doing. Even if it's subconsciously, they know what they're doing. They don't want to believe that they're hurting us or damaging us or making us less of a person, but that's exactly what the fuck it is. We become less of ourselves. We become not ourselves. We are no longer our own entity or an individual entity. We are basically an attachment or, God, almost as if like, like the family trees, like you trickle off of, you're one of those, one of those bubbles and you are stemmed from this general source. You're suckling at the power teat, we'll say. Now, I did that in a lot of relationships and I never realized that it wasn't just me being a people pleaser, but it was because I was codependent. I fed off of the approval and the adoration of this person because being bullied as a kid, always wanting to make my parents happy or my big sister or my closest friends, you know, I became this kind of like deteriorated version of myself. And I'm so grateful at the fact that I'm aware of it now. And I know that there's so many of you who are not aware of it. And that's why we're talking about this. But again, there is a very fine line between being a people pleaser and being codependent. I personally have been both. And I know a lot of you have too. And if you're listening to this and you don't resonate with it, I'm sure you know somebody who has or is this way. Now, I want to get a little bit deeper into this. Some of the reasons that we become codependent on others could be anything from adoration, such as us looking up to that person or we're in a relationship with them and they have just established that dominance with us. Like, you should do this or you should do that. If somebody tells you those things and you let it consume you, or in my specific situation with my ex, three who shall not be named, <laughs> I would ask opinion and it would almost be as if it was direction and a sense of control. Like, well, I don't like that and I would let it consume me. So I became more and more codependent because I wanted that person's approval. I wanted that adoration. I wanted them to say, yes, I love that idea, or yes, this is good for you, instead of constantly hearing, no, you can't do this, you shouldn't do this, I don't like this. Because it's one thing to tell somebody that you are uncomfortable with something or that you are not a fan of something, but it is another to genuinely dictate someone's movements, whether it's emotional, physical, spiritual. Regardless of the reasons we don't realize why we're doing this, letting someone have ownership over us, it's beyond unhealthy. And to be honest, if you're in a situation like this, please know that no matter how consumed or trapped is a great word, but not so much. You feel, if I can get out of a situation like that, so can you, number one. Number two, stop fucking settling. Stop settling for what you think you deserve because someone has told you that's what you deserve. I genuinely believed that being in a relationship with, let's just, Call it for what it is. 
being in a relationship with a married man was okay. I excused it because I was told certain things that I believed on the surface, but deep down really knew were not okay and weren't going to change. I was led to believe that the situation was not evolving, but changing. And for my benefit, I guess you could say. And so I held on to that hope. I kept, instead of saying being strung along, we'll say stuck around. Stuck around because I wanted it to work. Not that I believed it was going to work, but I wanted it to work. At the time, I told myself that I genuinely believed it. And I had people from every different angle of my life, every single angle of my life, except for that relationship, constantly telling me, and not even in a negative way, but them trying to help and be there for me, that it wasn't okay. And things were not going to change. And I made excuses for myself, for my relationship, for my person at the time that I thought that it was going to. And then four years went by. Four years of my life went by that I was codependent emotionally, physically, spiritually on this person. And he had actually once verbally said to me, that he was the best I was ever going to have in my life and that even if I left him, no one would ever love me the way that he did. And those words, like every word, but those words specifically imprinted deep, almost as if they were branded into me because I didn't let go for a very long time. And it wasn't until COVID and a lot of the friends who I had essentially already isolated myself from because he didn't approve of them, moved away, that I really started to miss my family. And I just wanted out because I knew that it wasn't going to end well. And my mental health downfall started to kick back in. And I will say that being codependent on that person really did almost take me out. I wouldn't be here today if I didn't find the strength in myself and others who cared about me that I just, I wouldn't be here today. I want to say, if you relate to this so far, anybody listening, anybody watching, if you feel this, on a molecular level, like I know damn well I do, please know, no matter how deep you are into it, whether it's a friendship or a relationship or a marriage even, you deserve so much more and you should not settle for anything less than what makes you feel like magic. And that's, that sits so deep within my heart. It's time to take your reins back. It's time to take you back, get you back. Because I know that you can. If I, shit, <laughs> if I can do it, so can you. Again, to those of you listening who ha are in these situations or have been in these situations, 
I think that we both can genuinely somewhat look each other in the eyes right now and admit that this bullshit has gone on for way too long. Way too long. We do not know genuinely how much time we have left on this earth. And I had dreams and aspirations that I started to believe were never going to be possible. I never knew that I wanted to have a podcast until I got out of my situation. I couldn't wait to share this with literally anybody who would listen. And I told myself that this podcast was for me. This, this was for me. Now, even though I'm still a recovering people pleaser, and at times I might still be slightly emotionally codependent on my husband, just because I love him so much. I knew and I now know that I still needed my sense of individuality. And that's what you need. If you are codependent or you know somebody who's codependent, having that sense of self and self-love, self-appreciation, being proud of yourself for something, that is huge. It will make all of the difference in your mental health in your heart, in everything and anything that you do. It'll make your relationship better. And if it doesn't, then there's a good chance that relationship wasn't meant to be. Let's call it for what it is. Just don't ever think that you cannot be an incredible and amazing human being on your own or in another relationship because that's not the case. You can be and you will be. Also, if you are with somebody who has narcissistic tendencies, and you genuinely want to try to not only work on yourself more and utilize what we're talking about today, but apply it into your relationship, friendship, marriage in hopes that they will recognize that in you, that sense of self in you instead of being so easily controlling. Just know that it, it can change a person. I know that it can because I have friends who have altered the way that they speak to me now because I finally started standing up for myself or I set those boundaries. We've spoken about boundaries before. We're going to dive into that next. As obsessed with my husband as I am, I mean, if you haven't seen him, <laughs> I can honestly and finally genuinely say that I'm no longer in a codependent relationship. And part of the reason is, one, thank God for my understanding husband when it comes to recovering from trauma from past relationships, because if he didn't understand or go through it himself, this would be a lot more difficult, and I don't think that him and I would be where we are today together. But I will say that one of my favorite things about him is that, yes, he loves me, and yes, we love to spend a vast majority of our time together but we also have our own sense of individuality and we still like to do things by ourselves and for ourselves for example if I want to go have a girls night he will say to me you know what babe you need it go enjoy yourself have fun I got the pup I'll be playing dad for tonight don't you worry about it even though we don't have kids yet Hopefully, God willing, one day we will. 
we have an elder pup and he already knows like my main worry is making sure that he, John is okay with me being away for a while and more specifically our dog. He will go out of his way to not only say, yes, babe, go do this, have a great time, or go get your nails done, go get your hair done. I got veto, don't even worry about it. And I know that I don't have to worry about it. I know that I don't have to worry about veto. I know that I don't have to worry about my husband wondering where I'm at or who I'm with because that was always the concern in past relationships. Having to check in every 30 minutes to let my ex know, hey, just so you know, we're still here. These are all the people who I'm with physically sitting around me. This is what I'm eating for dinner. I still can't believe I even did that shit. And I remember when John and I first started dating, I was doing that in our relationship. I was constantly updating him out of habit. And that was the codependency. That was one of the things that I picked up and kind of trickled along past that relationship into my current. And John would always say, you know, as much as I love you keeping me updated or keeping me posted about things, I just, I, I hope and want you to know you don't have to do that. I, like, don't exert yourself in our relationship feeling the need to please me in that sense because... I trust you regardless, and if you were going to do something that I didn't approve of, it's going to happen regardless, one way or another, if I try to control the situation or have anxiety about it or not. So I'd rather both of us be at peace of mind. That makes 10 times more sense than being controlled and almost being like a puppet or a robot in that sense. With John, if he tells me, and this is the first relationship, this is, this is why I married his ass, I think. I think that this is one of the biggest factors that showed me his character and why I love and trust him. If he wants to go out and have a boys' night, I don't care, like, just how wild they get. As long as he gets home safe, whether... It was when we were dating and it was back to his house or now that we're married and it's back home to me. As long as he's all right, go wild to an extent. That sounds kind of nuts, but I am still pretty fucking nuts, but not nearly as much as I used to be. Uh, that's the recovery process of past trauma in relationships. And you know what? Again, I'll say this. I'm so grateful for the patience in that man with me because he's had to learn a new level of patience in different aspects of our relationship and marriage and we've had to learn them together but it has made me so much better of a woman and of myself and I see it in him too so again on that codependency factor in my marriage it's not a codependent. It's, it's a co-ed. It's a team. We are a team. And there's a lot more trust. There's a lot more love, compassion, and understanding. And I believe that everyone listening right now deserves that. I pray that anyone going through what we have spoken about today finds that or recognizes the fact that they deserve more than what they 
have right now and the situation that they are in right now? This is a question, it's a rhetorical question because obviously you guys can't answer me just yet since it's pre-recorded. Feeling extreme love for people close to you, it's not a bad thing, but when does it become codependency? There are times when we don't realize that we are transferring or crossing that fine line slash gray area into codependency. And some of the things that you should be looking out for, because it is habitual and it's normal for us to want to feel loved and protected and physically and emotionally, spiritually. But when we genuinely cannot function throughout the day without that person or at least without hearing from them and basically kind of like giving us the green check mark to live the rest of our lives, that's definitely when you've reached that codependency. And I think that in all three of my major adult relationships, that was a thing. With number two, like I said, if you've listened to podcast episode number three, you will know who number two is. Not by name because the three who shall not be named will not be named. But you will know who I'm referencing. He was the only one of the three that I didn't feel as inclined to be so aggressively like responsive or I need to let him know where I'm at, what I'm doing, all of the things. But still, it came from past relationships and then those traits followed into that number three, which I, it was like taking 12 steps backwards. Having to do and feel all of that was just, it was nuts. Being able to genuinely not function on a day-to-day without getting that approval or asking an opinion from your, whoever you're codependent on, because it can be somebody other than just your significant. It could be a best friend. It could be a relative. It could be your boyfriend or girlfriend. It could be your husband or wife. Feeling the need to literally func- be able to function only based off of them and their energy and their mood and their approval is not healthy. People think that being in a relationship or a marriage, or in a best friend companionship, you're supposed to devote yourself entirely. It's not 50-50, it's 100-100. And if you can't recharge your battery on an individual level, so you don't pour from an empty cup, then where do you get your fuel from? Because at the end of the day, you're gonna feel drained. And the longer you do it, the more drained you're going to be. That battery percentage has obviously dropped below zero and starts going into the negatives and negatives and negatives. And the lower it goes, this right here and this right here, go with it, unfortunately. Now, I want to give you guys another example other than just a relationship. A friendship example of codependency friend of mine, a best friend of mine. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know until 
years down the line that I was genuinely codependent on her friendship. She was an amazing human being. And I didn't realize how much I let her emotions control me and my own for years. Literally years. She, I'm, I'm at a loss of words. Again, amazing woman. And I looked up to her. And I think that was where I started to build the, code, build the codependency. Because I looked up to her and I valued her opinion, I allowed myself to basically be consumed by how she felt specifically in anything I did. My other close friends, they had made comments about her to me for years in the sense of if she came around when they were around, she would be kind of cold or come off as jealous or just kind of a bitch. I mean, we've all got that friend that's like, that's my best friend. Fuck around and find out. Well, she was the fuck around and find out type. Not just with other friends, but in relationships too. And looking back, I see that they're the, part of the reason why our friendship ended. And still to this day, I wish it wouldn't have. <laughs> um, she tried to save me. She genuinely gave me an ultimatum in a relationship in a specific relationship. And I'm sure that you can guess it before I even say it. Number three, she made me choose between the two of them. She had had it and I don't blame her. And when she had given me that ultimatum, I chose him. And I thank God that it didn't completely destroy me today to this day but I also wish that I could have at least told her in the sense of you know I appreciate seeing this from an outsider's perspective because again as people pleasers or as highly sensitive people as a highly sensitive person as well we tend to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes to see it from their perspective from their angle and when we do that, it makes it easier for us to be understanding and be loving in that sense. But there are so many stubborn motherfuckers surrounding us, unfortunately, that we are the ones of actual genuine reason. And I think that if she would have approached me in a different way, it might have worked or helped. But I see now that that was her only route. That was her last choice of action to show me that I should not have been with that person. Not just because she didn't want me to be with him, but because it was significantly unhealthy. I remember there were, because of the people pleaser in me, there were times where I was constantly finding myself scheduling conversations around the two of them to try to keep them both happy or scheduling like hangouts or visits with one or the other and it was just never going to be enough. And then one day she had said it to me again, she's like, Alana, 
it's me or him. And I still never gave her a direct answer, but she knew what it was. I had chosen him. I did. And I'm going to leave this short story off with, if this friend ever listens or watches this podcast episode, I just want you to know that I appreciate you and I still do to this day. I learned a lot from our situation and things that have happened. And I want you to know that there are things about our friendship and our situation in the past that I've been able to apply into current friendships, relationships with family and my marriage that I want you to know that I am genuinely grateful for. And you are, I'm sure, still an amazing and incredible human being to this day. And thank you for everything that you did for me as a friend. Looking back and synopsizing that situation and friendship and relationship, I can honestly say that losing that friend is what ultimately sent me into the downward spiral of isolation from people that genuinely loved and cared for me because that's when I started making the really stupid excuses and choices in that relationship. And when I say isolation, I mean to the point where I basically wasn't allowed to have friends anymore because that friendship traumatized my ex so much to the point where he didn't trust any of my other friends, regardless if they were new friends or old friends or even, like, distant relatives, like cousins and shit. Like, I can't even... I learned a lot from the situation, so I can't even be mad anymore. I can't even be hurt anymore. I mean, I still am. I'm still recovering from it. That, that was a lie, to be honest. I am still hurt and I am still mad. But I don't regret it at all because all of this, everything that we've talked about up until this point and everything that I plan to share with you guys has led me to this podcast. And I'm super grateful for that. I want to move on to codependency with relatives, and this will be our last fun bullet point. This one might be a little bit shorter only because other than being a child and dependent on my parents and my older sister, I haven't necessarily had that codependency on a relative, but I've seen it in other people. So let's dive into that. This is something that I don't think it's discussed often enough because... I don't, I mean, again, I've never truly been codependent on a relative. Again, except for when I was a little kid and we had to be dependent. That doesn't count. Time and time again where my adult friends let their parents or brothers or sisters dictate their day-to-day lives is what I'm talking about. If you are in a household or a situation where you are a grown-ass adult 
And when I say grown-ass adult, I don't mean 18, because at 18, I still didn't know what the fuck I was doing. It is what it is. I'm talking, like, mid-20s, even early 20s, into your 30s. There are cultures that I grew up around that have normalized telling your adult-ass children what they can and cannot do. And the elder siblings of the family are also allowed to tell you what you can and cannot do. I'm sorry, but it is 20 motherfucking 23. And if you are not capable of being able to detach or grow the fuck up, I'm sorry, if it looks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, it's a fucking duck. If you are not able to support yourself to where you can be a grown adult and move away from mommy's basement, you're putting yourself in this situation. You are setting restrictions and limitations on yourself. Do not give me the excuse that you were not dealt the right cards because guess what? Most people weren't. This is me being the harshest I will probably ever be. But I feel genuinely passionate about this. If you are not happy in your situation with your family and they are constantly trying to control your every move or even part of your moves, change it. Get a job to where you can live in a freaking studio apartment or set some boundaries. Boundaries. You're going to hear me say that word so many times you're going to get sick of it. It's time to evolve. Those generational and old school, old country ass mentality habits that we allow to happen are why it takes so long for generational change. Just because your parents were raised a specific way does not mean that you are supposed to be that way. Times change. The world changes. The people around us change. Everything changes, and that's okay. As long as you take it in a positive, go with the flow. Be yourself. If you are in a situation where your parents are telling you that you are not allowed to go after your dreams and being an actress because either you're never going to make it or it doesn't make sense or you're not going to reach the point of fame to where it's going to bring enough money into yourself or your family, I'm sorry. Now's the time to say, go fuck yourself. I said what I said. Um, if I didn't pick up my few worldly belongings and leave Michigan in 2012 to go on to the complete opposite side of the country to California, Los Angeles, I would not be the woman that I am today. I would not be sitting here talking with you right now. And I'm so grateful for that. As much as I cannot stand LA anymore, oh God, I am very grateful for the experiences and the lessons that she taught me. And yes, I call Los Angeles a female because <laughs> I have friends to this day who literally, I know, 
still lie to their parents or their siblings about who they genuinely are, we'll start with, but also getting more into detail on that. Things like where they go, who they go out with, what they're doing, their sexual orientation, what they believe in politically. Hell, if we're being honest, I'm guilty of that sometimes too. Just because I'd rather avoid the conflict, but at the same time, I have been able to set certain boundaries and actually speak for me more recently, thank God. I'm still working on it though. Like we've spoken about before, this is the recovering people pleaser, not the recovered. But those friends of mine and those people that I know who are pretending to be somebody that they're not, it's because they are codependent. It's not about being a people pleaser. They are codependent on these relatives because they need their approval, or so they think, in order to have a peaceful life. I want you guys to think about that. They, these, these friends, these people that I know that I'm talking about, they full-heartedly believe that their life is, will be, and going to continue to be more peaceful or calm by them lying about who they genuinely are. What do you think that does to your internal and mental health? I've spoken with some of my gay friends about this in the past, how it was, like what it felt like to come out and be honest about who they were. And this is just an example. And one of my favorite responses was, it was as if I was cutting the umbilical cord from birth. Whew, that one was a lot, to say the least. And I will say, if you think about it and you put it in a hypothetical format, that's exactly what it is. Being able to be unapologetically you is probably one of the best gifts you can give yourself in this life. Which, again, we don't know how much time we have. We don't know how long we're going to be here. You might as well tear it the fuck up and do what makes you happy. Seriously. And if you don't know what that is just yet, if you don't know what makes you happy, explore it. Go make new friends. Go experience new things. Do what makes you fucking terrified. Because if your dreams don't scare you, then they're not big enough. If you haven't already heard that quote, I definitely just stole it from a freaking Instagram meme-looking thing. <laughs> but I full-heartedly believe that. Do something that you genuinely have never believed you could and see how it changes you. See how it expands your mindset. Travel. Getting more culture expands your mindset. It changes you as a person. I mean, it's Georgie's first time in America. Isn't that right? It is right. And how do you like America so far? I love it. I'm staying. You're staying? <gasps> I've got my long-lost British brother back. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. But love seriously, you. being able to expand one's mindset and how we view the world and we view ourselves, 
you once you pull that out, once you expand, I want you to physically try to imagine your brain just going like this and your heart going like this. And to do that, you have to step outside of your comfort zone and step outside of these generational fucking restrictions, whatever it is that's holding you back from being the most incredible and happy version of yourself. Stop basing your happiness on someone else's because you're never going to win. You're not. It's, there's, there's a disconnect there. There really is. That disconnect is you believing that you can make somebody 100% happy with yourself because that's not the case. You won't be. It's not going to happen. And that brings me back to that beautiful quote that we've never heard pouring from an empty cup. You can't do it. So stop. Focus on you for once. In conclusion, with everything that we just talked about, when you do finally take that step to move forward and start making mistakes, that is the best way to help discover oneself and learn what you like, what you don't like, what you're okay with, what you're uncomfortable with, what you want to happen, what you don't want to happen. I can go on and on down that list. Make mistakes, trial and error. If you are afraid or you start setting these boundaries and restrictions on yourself, you're never going to be able to fully become yourself. And I cannot like excruciatingly justify this enough. There is so much inside of you, inside of me, inside of the person sitting next to you, inside of the people that you care about, that they could be accomplishing and becoming for themselves and for everyone around them that is confined, whether it's because of society or generational dictation, whatever the fuck. We have set limits and boundaries on ourselves. It's time to stop doing that. You can set boundaries with other people because that's what you should start doing as a codependent, as a people pleaser, as a highly sensitive person. It's okay. You, you can say no. You can say that you don't like something or you're not comfortable with something. You can say, this is what I'm doing regardless if it makes you happy or not because it makes me happy now. Or go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, that one's my favorite. Either way, it's time. It's not time to loosen the reins. It's time to let go of the reins, my codependence. I need you guys to start looking into yourselves more and deciding what it is that's going to make you, you. Do it for me. Fuck it. Fuck me. Do it for you. Do it for yourselves. Do it for your future children. Don't you want to set like great examples for people that you care about? And I'm not just talking about kids because not everybody wants kids. Don't you want to leave that legacy of, wow, they were the most genuine person of like themselves and that is so admirable. Like, I, I, I wish I could do that. I want to be like that. That's my, that's my thing. 
because that's still me as a people pleaser thinking, all right, when I die, what do I want people to think? <laughs> Not what am I going to do now for myself? I want to go skydiving. No, it's when I die, I want people to think she genuinely took a situation and flipped it the fuck around. She became the most her version of herself. And that's what I need to do in my life. I want people to listen to this podcast or watch this episode or hear about me somewhere. I don't want to be famous. I just want people to know that there, there is somebody like them out there who is able to flip the fucking script. With that being said, in conclusion, darling, <laughs> I've been doing a lot of British accents this week since George is here. <laughs> I'm going to leave you guys with a quote because that has become my thing and I genuinely love doing this because it's been fun to research. I have learned and heard a surprisingly new Ernest Hemingway quote because I've read a lot of his that I want to share with you guys. Whew, got to shake it off. The most painful thing in life is losing yourself in the process of loving someone else too much and forgetting that you, yourself, are also special and magic as well. Ernest Hemingway. You guys, thank you so much for being here during my very first filmed episode. And George, on the worker worker one, two, one, twos. <laughs> Say goodbye, George. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you guys so much. I really cannot wait to hear the feedback on this episode, which reminds me, if you yourself are in or have been in a situation like this and are comfortable sharing your story with me, please reach out. Instagram Alana Orlando. Send me an email, alanafit at gmail.com. Not so fit it should be, but you get what I'm saying. Picking up what I'm putting down. I want to hear from you guys. I love you. Thank you, beautiful people.